Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Five Tool Podcast. As always, I'm George Klein, and this week I talked with my friend Arthur Jellin about the AFC Conference, and it's heading into training camp, time to start wrapping our minds around this upcoming NFL season. So we worked our way team by team, division by division. I gave my predictions for how the AFC playoff picture will look, gave a couple hot takes, had some fun with it. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you. All right. I am here today once again with Arthur Jellin. We had some technical issues beforehand, but we battled through and we're here now ready to talk about the AFC. Should be a fun season and it's late July, last week of July. So it's time to start thinking about the NFL again, I guess. Uh, go from the AFC East onwards. So first thing we're going to talk about is who else? The New England Patriots. I have predicted them to be first team in the division, first seed in the playoffs. They have added Patterson, Jordan Matthews. They've lost Amendola, Malcolm Butler, Brandon Cooks. That's a move that really surprised me. Deion Lewis and Nate Solder. So we're both from New England, and it seems like the same thing happens every year where everyone panics about the Patriots. Maybe they've lost the first game of the season. Maybe they're 2-2. Two and two. This year, it started early. Everyone's sort of freaking out about Brady, Gronk, the TV 12 stuff. They're not showing up to workouts. Everyone's concerned that maybe they're not as invested in the team as they need to be. So I'll go to you. You're a New England Patriots fan. So what's your opinion on this? Are you, do you have any concern? Uh, zero concern uh, in reality. And I'll sort of start with this whole Edelman situation with the four-game suspension. I think, and I honestly hope that They'll start again with a little two and two, maybe lose week one against Houston at home, kind of have a little scuffle, like and and be two and two, and everyone's worried that it's the end, and then they run it off and, and end up in the Super Bowl again, which I fully expect them to because I don't really believe in any of the other AFC teams. So I'm not really concerned with anything, and that that comes more as as a homer than anything. Uh, but I, I really believe there's no cause for concern. And you mentioned some of their additions. I think the biggest additions they made were guys like Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn, guys to solidify the left side of that offensive line. They obviously lost Nate Solder in free agency. So with Brady turning 41 in a couple of weeks, it's it's important to preserve him as much as possible. And I think that that was really a core concern and something they took into account this offseason. And I think they did a good job doing that. But overall, uh, zero concern, I expect at least 12 and four, likely 13 and three and number one seed in the AFC. Yeah. My take on it is I'm not going to ever doubt the New England Patriots until it actually happens and until they have it down here. So I'm going to slot them in for 13 and three and another AFC championship run, another Super Bowl run until I'm proven wrong. Because Uh honestly, I think at this point, everyone is trying to grasp for something to talk about. I think we all sort of know Brady will come back, he'll throw for 4,500 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. Everyone will be fine. Maybe the Patriots will have a slow start, but they'll correct whatever they need to correct. Looking at the rest of the AFC, I don't, you look at the teams, no one is still, can still take this team down. I don't, I really don't think so. It's the same old story. I have no doubt that the Patriots will be back where we're used to seeing them. Yeah, Ed. we'll get to them later, but the Steelers are really the only team that I stay worried about because of the killer bees, and it's that potential to go off, but they can never seem to put it together, and I mean, the Patriots are just too dependable. I don't see them falling this year. And I was curious about that Cooks trade that I mentioned earlier. What's your take on that? We last saw him get absolutely rocked in the Super Bowl, so my conspiracy hat on makes me think that maybe they're like "Mm, maybe he's not quite right or maybe it just wasn't a good fit I don't know what it was because as a Jets fan I was scared of this dude last week um I I think it dates back to the Monday night game against Miami the last game they lost before the Super Bowl where he was getting they were without Gronkowski and the offense was was in fits all night against the Miami defense that you would not consider to be particularly dominant and he was getting just run off the line um, and just unable to beat pretty much one-on-one press coverage the entire game. And ever since Randy Moss, he kind of ran out in New England. I think the Patriots have really been looking for that solidified, bona fide outside number one receiver. And in Cooks, you have a guy who has some of the traits, but then from a strength and height uh, perspective, isn't quite there. So I think 
they realized that rather than pay him the $16 million a year that he just got from the Rams and his extension, which I believe he, he's worthy of, they could get a guy like a Jordan Matthews or keep developing a guy like Kenny Britt to just not necessarily be a decoy, but be someone you can put out there who won't necessarily have the same production, but will play that role and allow the rest of the offense to open up. And Belichick's whole mantra, his 19, 20 years in England has been to spread the salary cap evenly across the roster and dedicating $16 million to a wide receiver that could have such a bad game just, just wasn't worth it. So they got draft picks out of that trade and, and were able to move on. My one thing, the Jimmy Garoppolo trade, in some ways it had to happen last year. There was just, I think, too much underlying tension. And ESPN loves to blow this stuff up, so I think it was overblown. But mm-hmm. I think it makes sense for there to have been some tension just between all of these guys who think that, you know, they are the best player. And Garoppolo had those quotes where he was like, yeah, I thought I was the best quarterback. Do you think that this is a trade that in 15 years we'll look back on and say, okay, yeah, that was sort of where this pass run came to an end? Because if you had Garoppolo still waiting in the wings, that's a very smooth transition, at least from what we've seen in San Francisco. I think it's frustrating for Belichick because he had his long-term plan and it went perfectly getting Garoppolo in the second round. They see that he could end up being the real deal, but I mean, 15 years is a long way to look. Uh, obviously, I'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo it's too far to predict to go 10 or 15 years into the future. I, I still trusted Belichick and the Patriots organization to figure it out in the long run. And Brady's got at least two or three solid years. I've been saying that for five years now, but he's still got two or three solid years left. And, and they'll figure it out after that. I mean, I wish the best for Jimmy Garoppolo because I enjoyed his time. The, what they got for the trade can be debated and they really just put themselves in an awkward situation because who thinks that your starting quarterback is going to be able to win the MVP at 40 years old and that contributed to their only getting a second round pick for Garoppolo but um, that's the game and you can't predict that your quarterback your franchise quarterback is going to keep doing it forever I don't think that I definitely don't think it's as negative as everyone's made it out to be Um, I'm not worried about it I don't think it'll really come back to hurt them uh um, if they had managed to keep him, you just saw he got the record-breaking contract with San Francisco, which they obviously would not have been willing to pay. Yeah, Brady's so great because he's willing to take significantly less than the highest-paid quarterback every year. I mean, he's similar to a guy like LeBron in basketball, who if he was paid what he's worth, he'd be getting $60 million a year. But that's just not how the game works and not what he wants to do because he wants to help the team better by not taking a third of the salary cap himself so it was just a tough situation and it sucks because i think they drafted him maybe two years too soon but that stuff you can't predict and it's too bad but in the long run i don't think it'll be incredibly detrimental all right so in the end for all the panic and the gloom new england patriots i think we just both have them like 12 and 4 13 and 3 another Super Bowl appearance. We'll see what happens with that. So now, AFC East is really weak, and I honestly, I was looking at these last three teams trying to figure out what order to put them in, and you could convince me on any order, really. I think the Bills are do have a slight edge on the Jets and Miami in that number two spot. I, they, did make, they did sneak into the playoffs last year, finally. It was a very nice moment for them. Incredible last game last situation where they were watching in the locker room, the ridiculous Ravens game. So they added Josh Allen in the draft. We can talk about that. Vontae Davis. I don't know. Chris Ivory. I'm never going to say this name right in my entire life. Star Latule. I did my best. That was good. Good job. I did it. Okay. AJ McCarron and Marshall Newhouse uh, lost a lot of guys. Uh, Richie Incognito. He retired. And uh, Tyrod Taylor actually with the Browns. And those are like the names I sort of came to my head. I kind of put these lists together, and I realized the vast majority is just skill position guys, which is, <laughs> which does not say great things about me, that it was off the top of my head. I'm like, running back, wide receiver, these are the guys. So so if you need to correct me on that, feel, feel free to. This is by no means a completely comprehensive list. So first question I came up with this team for you is, what do we think about Josh Allen? I personally really don't like him. I think it's an example of the, of a copycat league going to copycat. And the last year's draft in general, it had been talked about for years as a huge quarterback draft. Everyone's looking at these games. And in the end, I was not exactly overwhelmed. 
by all the quarterbacks that we had. I think they'll be good quarterbacks. But first off, what do you think about Josh Allen? What do you think about the whole draft last year? As far as Josh Allen, I was never a big believer in him for many reasons, namely just one, not winning at a small school in college, which is a big red flag for me, and two, just like statistically and how he'll, he'll match up. I just think he has a really, really long way to go. I think all college quarterbacks usually have a really long way to go, but he's got those like physical traits that when you look at him, you say, oh, that guy's a quarterback, but then you watch him. And there's there's just too many things that pop up for me. Um, as far as the quarterback class as a whole, though, the two guys that I really like were actually Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. problem for me with Baker Mayfield is I don't think he – was the number one pick in the draft by any means. So that kind of scares me a little bit. But just as I said, Josh Allen wasn't a winner. Baker Mayfield is a winner. And we've seen a guy like Deshaun Watson who slid a little bit in the draft for whatever reason. But one in college beat what I thought was the best college football defense I'd ever seen in Alabama in the national championship. Whatever reason, slid in the draft and then got to the NFL and was incredible for the four weeks he played before tearing his ACL. I think Baker Mayfield, while a different type of player, is still very similar in the fact that he'll go out there and he knows what it takes to win. He's got incredible accuracy that he showed off in college, and he's going into a really win-win situation, nothing to lose in Cleveland, where coming off of 0-16, if he goes... 3 and 13, they'll love him basically. So that's his situation. And I mean, Lamar Jackson is just one of my favorite players that I've ever watched in college. And he's going to a great situation too in Baltimore, where it's one of those franchises and teams that has won and knows how to win and knows how to build. Just has had a couple bad years with Joe Flacco getting injured and, and certain pieces not really lining up. But I really believe in him being the future there. And he can kind of come with a chip in it chip on his shoulder being the last quarterback taken in the first round. So the big name guys like Darnold, Allen, and Rosen, I'm not as high on it as some of the guys that weren't talked about as much like Mayfield and Jackson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm personally, I'm in the Rosen camp. I know that there's some concerns there sort of about a lot of things foremost, I guess, his attitude and everyone describes him as sort of a cocky asshole, I guess you could say. But I don't know if I necessarily mind that. I think if you look at, and this is a ridiculous comparison that's on the skip scale, but if you look at an Aaron Rodgers type guy, I don't think anyone would describe him as a dynamic, very personable guy. So I don't necessarily know if I mind my quarterback being an asshole. And I sort of looked at him and that struck me just as a professional quarterback going off my ridiculous first take analyst eye test. But Josh Allen, I'm, I totally agree. For me, he's sort of a guy where, where everyone sort of said, okay, Carson Wentz went to a small school. We're going to take another guy with a small school. And Josh Allen has a huge arm, and he's big. But can he be a quarterback? <laughs> that's that's the question. There's a lot more that goes into it. And I think all indications that we've gotten so far is he really can't. So, that's, so that sort of scares me. Uh, moving on past just the quarterback situation, do you think in general that this Bills team can sneak back into the playoffs again? My personal take is, Right now, they sort of got lucky last year with a couple key injuries. I just think there's too many. And the AFC isn't a good conference by any means, but there's too many teams that are playoff teams in this conference that are ahead of the Bills. I see them missing out. Yeah, I mean, you can write down their two losses to the Patriots and probably a couple other divisional losses as well. I've got really a couple AFC West teams sneaking into the five and six seeds. And really all it'll take to get a six seed in this conference right now is eight and eight. Uh, and I honestly don't see the Bills getting there. I see, you know, the Patriots at 13-3 and three and then the Bills down at 7-9. and nine. They are two or three uh, years away from getting back to their little miraculous playoff run that they had last year. Yeah, it was so funny last year how after all the years, after all the anticipation, they finally make the playoffs. And what they get is possibly the worst playoff game I've ever seen with the Jaguars. That was, you know, it was just, it was just terrible that that was their playoff, their playoff streak breaker was not even really getting in themselves, just having the Ravens choke it away. And, and it was like, Oh wait, we're in, we don't even really get to celebrate and then play whatever that was in the wild card. So uh, they'll get their real playoff appearance in a couple of years, but It'll all depend on, on where Josh Allen's coming from. Between A.J. McCarron and Josh Allen next year, I don't have a lot of trust in, in this yeah. team. I mean, what about what about Nathan Peterman? Nathan Peterman, that, 
Honestly, the funniest subplot of last year was if the Bills had missed the playoffs by a game or on tiebreakers. I know. That one game where they started Nathan Peterman, who cost them the playoff streak, that would have been unbelievable. I think McDermott would have gotten fired if if that. Yeah, listen, as a Jets fan, and we're about to get into the Jets, I've seen a lot of terrible, terrible quarterback performances, namely Geno Smith. And that might have been worse than any Geno Smith start. And that's hard to say because Geno Smith had games where he threw for 14 yards and three picks. But throwing for five picks in the first half is something I didn't even think it was possible. So now moving on to the Jets, they they honestly, they were expected to be the possibly the worst team in the league last year. And I think they surprised a lot of people, including myself, with not a good season by any means, but they weren't the worst. They weren't close to the worst team in the league. Five and 11, pretty pretty solid year. Sam Darnold in the draft, they got Teddy Bridgewater, which is a great story. I hope he succeeds. They got Terrell Pryor, who does interest me a little bit. Subtractions, Muhammad Wilkerson from the Packers. He's a guy, he had to go. The situation was just so negative, had gone so sour that it was necessary just to keep the team chemistry somewhat manageable. I guess first off, we talked about Josh Allen. I guess we can talk about the Jets' new quarterback. What do you think of the new franchise leader of the New York Jets. Skeptical as I am with with, Al, with Josh Allen. Not quite as skeptical, but the thing that bothers me the most is just his general throwing motion and, and the arm strength people talk about. I just don't see it. I, I don't know if it's my vision or something is going, but I don't see all the stuff with Sam Darnold that everyone else does. Uh, and I'll kind of throw, actually toss this back to you. Sort of go from a 16-week perspective, kind of break down who you think is, is getting however many starts, if you think it's going to be, you know, first four, Bridgewater, and then Darnold, or Josh McCown going to take the realms from the beginning. I don't, how do you think it's going to stack up? Yeah, I think they're going to start the year with Josh McCown, in my estimation. It's funny with Josh McCown how this team, and even the fan base, is they sort of have a love affair for him where everyone's talking about Josh McCann and how he's this incredible leader, how he's an incredible presence. And my take is Josh McCown is by no means the future of this franchise or doing anything. So I would much rather see at least maybe Bridgewater and see if he has anything left in the tank. But I honestly think that role with McCown for the first half of the season, I think you could compare this maybe and not compare the two quarterbacks, but to, a Jared Goff type situation in the rookie year where you have Jeff Fisher just completely bungle that situation. I could see Darnold maybe sneaking in second half of the year for six to eight starts, but I think they're going to ride McCown hard at, at the front. I honestly do. Uh, I would be pleasantly surprised if not, but honestly, I would love for Teddy to just come out in training camp and look unreal, look back to his normal self, even though I don't necessarily think he ever gets there. But yeah, I think McCown for a good amount of the season more than would be wise, I think. And then in the second half, hopefully, we have the rookie who's supposed to lead the team actually in. So, I mean, the Jets, it's always an iffy situation where you look at a couple of years and the whole idea was we're going to build this team off, off of the defense. We've got Muhammad Wilkerson. We've got Sheldon Richardson. A dominating force up front. They're going to be so good, and we'll just work our way around there. That obviously didn't work out. Now, I do like sort of the looks, especially the secondary with Adams and May. I think that's a very good core to have. I think they'll both improve together. So I'm very excited about that. That, I think, will be our best unit by far. But I'm always hesitant. I don't particularly like Todd Bowles as a head coach. I think he got too much credit for the team last year because there was a lot of hidden talent, like a Robbie Anderson type, where you could tell – not necessarily in games just because he didn't have the reps yet, but you could tell he was super talented. So there was some talent that was sort of hidden on that roster. And Bulls, especially down the stretching games when it matters most, he has Andy Reid like clock management and the play calling is ridiculous. So hopefully he's not with this team over the next few years when the Jets hopefully actually start to get good. But I'm very wary. So... So if you had to put a percentage on it, what would you say is percent chance the Jets make the playoffs? And do you agree with my selection of them as third? Are they ahead of Miami? Uh, I mean, I give them a less than 5%. I, I, give a, I, I would say zero, but I don't want to say zero, so I'll just say less than 5%. Yeah, I would uh, say like 7%. I'll give them six wins to be nice. 
I'll give them five or six. I'll go with six wins. They're a ways away. Uh, but definitely ahead of Miami. I mean, Miami has some serious structural issues. We'll get into it. But if you look at all their additions, kind of nonsensical in my mind. Yeah, and we can launch into that right now. I have predicted the worst team in the AFC East, the Miami Dolphins. They got Amendola, Frank Gore. I had to throw this one in Osweiler. I just had to say it. Robert Quinn, Albert Wilson, lost. Jake Cutler, I don't know if that really counts as a loss, but he retired. Jarvis Landry on the Browns now. Mike Pouncey and Sue to the Rams. So Miami, um, what do you think of this? You were talking about how you look at their additions and it doesn't, it seems sort of nonsensical. So yeah. I guess what do you think of their offseason so far? I mean, just looking at running back and wide receiver, what they did is basically replace Jay Ajayi and Jarvis Landry with Frank Gore and Danny Amendola. And believe me, I love Danny Amendola for what he's done in the playoffs, but just always gets hurt. But the Dolphins aren't going to be in the playoffs, so I don't know how much he's going to be able to play in the regular season. Uh, and you're, he's replacing a guy at Landry who's 100 catches every year and one of the most reliable targets in the NFL. And then, I mean, Ajayi and Gore isn't even close. Frank Gore is admirable for the fact that he's still in the league and, and has his slim, slim chance at, at really making a run at the rushing record, even though he, he won't come very close. But it's fun to think about. I don't know why they scapegoated Ajayi for their offensive troubles last year, but that's only Adam Gase can really answer that question. But yeah, I mean, they've always had, you know, a splash guy at free agency or in trades uh, like and Donaldson Sue in the, in the past few years and none of them have worked out. So I don't see why they wouldn't remain in the basement. These are sort of the Frank Gore years that I don't want to see. I looked at him the move to Miami, and I sort of groaned inwardly when I saw that. It's the aging running back on a really shitty, shitty team, and I don't know. I feel kind of bad. He's, again, props to him sort of for continuing his career. I can't believe it's 2018 and he's still in the league. It's really remarkable, but I don't see this team going anywhere. Uh, you're right. Amendola's always hurt. It's hard for me to look at this team and see a cohesive a cohesive plan. We'll see what what uh, Tannehill can do when he comes back. But yeah, I look at this team. This is the worst team in the AFC East for me. A bunch of discombobulated parts. There's old players on this team when you don't need old veterans and on large contracts or even anything like that. So yeah, I'm not super high on them. So moving on. So this is one team that I think we seem to disagree a little bit on, or I guess even a lot. So I still have the, the Pittsburgh Steelers as the first place team in this division. I think that's pretty obvious. But I have them as fourth seed in the playoffs in the wild card round, worst of the division leaders. So you had mentioned you were high on the Steelers. What makes you high on them? It's not as much I'm high on them as I just believe they'll stand pat in the second seed, and I don't see a team like Jacksonville or the Chargers overtaking them just based off the pure talent that they have and the potential that talent has to get better. I mean, the whole Le'Veon Bell situation is, is really convoluted. And I honestly do believe this, this will be his last year in a Steelers uniform, just based off of how much they botched this contract situation with him. And who knows what's going on with Roethlisberger, but I'm, this team is still, I, I believe they'll go 11 and five, secure that second seed, get themselves a buy. And they haven't made any additions, but other than Martavis Bryant, they didn't really lose anyone either. So it's the same team that gave the Patriots a run for their money in the regular season last year and didn't quite get to their AFC Championship game uh, rematch. But yeah, I don't, I don't see this team going anywhere, at least this year. I think what has me concerned about the Steelers is sort of the attitude and atmosphere around this team now. You mentioned the Bell situation, and I agree. I think it's his last season with the Steelers. I think the situation has just turned too sour at this point in time. But I think there's, over the last couple of years, it just seems things are sort of building, you know, um, negative direction just in sort of team chemistry-wise. Antonio Brown, and this story, once again, was overblown, but filming in the locker room, Roethlisberger having some possible issues with teammates, all of that stuff. I think teams hit a point where, again, like I love to draw the cross-sport comparisons, but I'll draw it to my other favorite, to another favorite team of mine, 
the, the Cleveland Cavaliers where a championship type or a contending type team eventually things just get stale. Everyone sort of hates each other a little bit and it breaks apart. And I'm not going to do this with the Patriots because I've been proven wrong so many times before. I'm not, I won't fall for it again. But with the Steelers, I do think this could be the year where we start to see it decline, start to see the championship window come to an end. There were times that last year where Roethlisberger looked off of his game, struggled against some teams. It's a guy who's taken so many hits, and it's just hard for me to believe they can keep doing this. Though again, it is Roethlisberger, so who knows? But I sort of, <clears throat> I'm trying to clear my voice here, but I look at the Steelers as a team that is past its peak. They're not going to fall apart again. AFC is, they're not going to get hopped by, I don't know, the Browns and the Dolphins and the Jets and all these ridiculous teams. But I do think we could see a little bit of a slide back from, from this team this year. I have them as a sort of, yeah, like as like a 10, maybe even 11 win team. But I do think the Jaguars can slide ahead of them and the team I'm super high on. I'm going to save that one because that's my, I guess you could call it my, my hot take, but. They lost to the Jaguars in the playoffs last year, and that game was back and forth again. Really could have gone either way, I suppose, but their uh, defense got absolutely shredded, and I just don't know how I feel about this team. So, do yeah. you have any last thoughts on, on the Steelers in general? Uh, I, I'll just throw in that I think Mike Tomlin's a terrible coach. And, oh, yeah. And is a cheerleader and not an actual coach, and the problem with cheerleaders is people get sick of listening to their repeated cheers. And, Yep, so we were talking about those Ravens, and they added Lamar Jackson, who you mentioned before in the draft, Michael Crabtree, another guy I just have to say, RG3, love that he's back in the NFL. Willie Steed had a couple of good years. Uh, subtractions, Mike Wallace, Watson, a tight end, Woodhead retired. So I guess what it comes down to is, for me, I think it's time – for the Joe Flacco era to end, but they really seem to be kicking and screaming, and they finally made you know a big push towards that with Lamar Jackson. Indications so far seem to be you know Joe Flacco is the starting quarterback, and we'll keep going with him to a certain point. But I say they should start Lamar Jackson from day one. What do you think? This, in my mind, is the most complicated QB quote unquote controversy in the NFL just based off the fact that you have such an electric player, but you also have the guy who did win you a Super Bowl and you did pay $100 million to, uh, and that contract is running out, and it's kind of whether you want to let that guy run his course or try to jump a Steelers team that might be limping towards the end of its sort of position of power in the division. They'll stick with Flacco at the beginning of the season and let him go as long as he can go just because – I don't think Lamar Jackson needs to sit and learn how to play in the NFL, but I think that's what the Ravens believe. So I think they'll stick with Flacco. But hey, week 16, if they're 5-9, and nine, Lamar Jackson will start a game at quarterback this year, just not in the first half of the season. I agree. This is a team, though, that I think is coming dangerously close to hitting that mediocre-type state that can be... I Pretty I, yeah, I think they are. I think that I think they're already there. I, I think they've yeah. been there for three years now. So it's time to get out of that. Yeah, because yeah, it's easy to keep racking up seven wins, eight wins, six win type seasons. And we mentioned it with a lot of sports, but for me, the NFL is yeah another one of those where I want to be either really good or really bad. I just don't feel comfortable with that six win, seven win stage where you're not getting the premier draft picks and. You're not like winning in the playoffs. So it's been a rough couple years for the Ravens. They're sort of a team that has sort of, I think, held on to a few pieces for too long, especially Joe Flacco. But hopefully we can see some Lamar Jackson this year and they can turn the page, move on to a brighter era. What do you think of their additions as a whole? Is there anything that gives you hope? I, I liked Crabtree's year last year. Crabtree, I guess, stands out to me, but as a whole, I like what they did in the draft a lot, actually, getting a couple tight ends. I like what Ozzie Newsom's final act was there. I mean, no, nothing really stands out, and it's more than just a single offseason that they need to really get themselves out of that mediocrity. They did a couple nice things to surround Flacco. This is a process for sure. So 
I still have them as the number two team in this division, but I don't believe in them in any means. The AFC East and the AFC North for me are two very weak divisions, and we'll see a lot of the strength of this of this conference come from the South and from the West. That's where I think the real strength of this conference is outside of obviously of New England and the Steelers who are will always seemingly be at near at or near the top of these conference standings. Number three is I have the Cleveland Browns and this would honestly be a big success for them considering that they can't even win a game. One of my favorite stats is something like in the last three or four years there's been more Star Wars movies than Cleveland Browns wins which is just unbelievable. Uh, so they really just a monster overhaul. They're on hard knocks, which I'm actually excited to see because I'd love to see what sort of a bad team looks like on hard knocks. <laughs> that's been a mess. I love to see Hugh Jackson up on the hard knocks. I just want to see him talk. We've got, we mentioned before, they got Mayfield in the draft. They got Ward in the draft at cornerback, who I actually really like. They got Tyrod Taylor, Carlos Hyde. I've, I've been high on Hyde for a while. Landry. They got uh, Terrence Mitchell, subtractions. So Joe Thomas stands out, obviously, just because he's been there forever. He retired. Crowell on the Jets. Deshaun Kaiser to the Packers, I don't, that doesn't count as a loss. So you mentioned how you felt about Mayfield. He, he's a winner. He was drafted. Not the number one overall pick, though. So if you were the Browns, I guess, first off, what would you have done in the draft? And what do you think of this Taylor Mayfield stuff at quarterback? If I were the Browns, I would have taken... Saquon Barkley, number one, and then Mayfield more than likely would have still been there at number four. Man, you're and right, then yeah. you have your back you have your backfield for the next ten years. But I understand why I personally understand why they like Mayfield. I just it's hard to rationalize taking a number one, uh, but you can't really go against a guy like Denzel Ward from Ohio State. Ohio State and Alabama are the two real proven places for defensive backs. Um, so you you can't really go wrong with taking a top ten pick out of those uh, out of there. Who's going to start week one between Taylor and Mayfield? That's probably going to be solved on hard knocks. I can't answer that question, but I, I really like the Landry edition. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he's a 100 catch guy, always open, always open on those intermediate routes that are just quick, easy throws for a real accurate guy like Mayfield and Tyron Taylor, who doesn't make mistakes. The key will be for their offense, whoever is a quarterback is, is really managing the turnover game because they have two quarterbacks who are really, really good at doing that and just getting the ball where it needs to be, maybe not being as explosive as anyone in the league, but just getting it there, keeping it out of the other team's hand. For a team that went 0-16, I think they had as good of an offseason as you possibly can. And and I don't know if I'd put them above the Bengals in the division, but yeah, I mean, I could see this team going 4-12, and maybe bumping themselves from the one pick up to the three pick or something like that. I'm not a believer in Hugh Jackson at all, but... They, they did what they needed to do, and I do actually believe in their general manager, John Dorsey, who did a really, really fantastic job in Kansas City. The pieces are there, unlike teams like the Dolphins. These building blocks are there, and there's multiple building blocks, and they have what it takes to get themselves out of the basement. I really like what they did. I think they'll stay in the basement this year. but Yeah, I really like what they've done. Uh, again, it's hard to see – how many games the Browns will win just because they've proven that it's very difficult for them to win any games. But I really do feel they're, and this is an obvious statement, but they're in a much superior situation right now to what they were in. There's actual talent on this team. There's actual proven players. There's young, exciting players. There's a reason to watch this team beyond how many games they'll lose. And I think the move from Kaiser to whoever is a big one. Like you mentioned, Landry, that's a guy where I don't necessarily know if, if they've had an, like a real addition over the past few years that has that can impact the game in the way it can. And we haven't even gotten into any of the Gordon stuff, who remains yeah. sort of this mystical figure in the NFL. When he's on the field, he puts up stats and does things the likes of which you'll most never see in the league. And, but again, he keeps running into trouble off the field. It's well-documented. He finally made it back. He's taking a break or he won't be with the team in training camp this year. Some have speculated because of hard knocks and he would, and they didn't want hard knocks to sort of focus on Gordon's issues. But what's your take on Josh Gordon? How much do you think we can get from him this year? I mean, I think between Gordon and Corey Coleman, who is almost the forgotten first round pick, it's, it's bright. Like I said, their, their offense has 
the building blocks to be good, not this year, maybe not next year, but in the future, if they can manage to properly develop these guys and, and Josh Gordon can stay off the weed, then they have what it takes. They have promise, which is for a, an Owen 16 team is really all you can ask for. That's a perfect way to sort of sum this up, that they have hope now and they have a competitive team that you can look at and say, okay, this team can actually play with the other teams in the NFL and they have NFL-type talent. This is this is a strong take from me. I always like to throw in a couple of these every year. You gotta, you know, it's that go big or go home mentality. I have the Bengals completely falling apart this year. I think the signs have been there for a while. They're kind of sinking lower and lower. Andy Dolan, I think. Andy Dolan's a guy for me where I have him. This is the year where, again, everything sort of comes unglued. I just don't like the way this team has, has acted, has felt the past couple of years. They've had a couple of clearly well-documented negative influences on this team. A.J. Green, I still, I personally believe, is one of the more overrated players in the league at this point. I don't know if how you feel about that. You can call me out. So am I too harsh on this team? Uh, I'll just start with Andy Dalton. It's funny how Joe Flacco has always had that question, oh, is Joe Flacco elite, yada, yada, yada. And Andy Dalton's really never been in that conversation when he's almost a, a B-grade Joe Flacco um, who manages to squeak his team in the playoffs and then always lose in the first round to really much worse teams from a talent perspective. This guy has just not accomplished anything in his NFL career and kind of gets a free pass for it and has dragged a guy like A.J. Green down with him. I mean, A.J. Green, in my opinion, is still a top two wide receiver from a talent perspective, but gets let down by Andy Dalton uh, over the past couple of years. I mean, the fact that he's been able to get to a thousand yards is basically a miracle, but it's also attributable to the fact that he's the only receiver on the team. And I don't think they'll fall off as much as you believe they will, but third place and five and 11 is certainly not out of the question. They haven't won a playoff game in, what is it now? 27 years. You could make an argument that the Bengals possibly even more than the Browns, I guess. Nah, it's, it's hard to say more than the Browns, but they're one of those teams that you look at and one of the worst histories in the NFL over the past 25 years. It's hard to get much worse than where they're at. You also got to look at Marvin Lewis. What does this guy have against Bengals oh. management to still, yeah. you know, to still be basically equal with Bill Belichick as long as tenured coaches? Yeah, it's so funny with all the coaches that get fired at the end of every year and all the turnover and how we always talk about how the NFL coaching seat is hot for everyone. But Marvin Lewis somehow is there year after year. And so moving off the Bengals, we're going to the AFC South now. And this is one of those divisions I pointed out earlier that for me has a lot more talent uh, than the other two just, just across the board. So first team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They... Obviously had a great year last year. Surprised a lot of people. Made it all the way to the championship game. For me, they were right there against the Patriots, but then their play calling got way too conservative, starting with like a kneel in the second quarter and then in the fourth quarter, really just generic, low-risk play calling. And for me, that's a symptom of Bortles at quarterback, to be honest. I don't think they had a lot of faith in him. He did improve as the playoffs went on, but... I was surprised about the extension, surprised that, you know, they'll move with uh, Bortles moving ahead. And I do think a lot of the public attention was over the top and they sort of lumped on him. And he's not, he's not the worst quarterback in the NFL, but if you're a contending team for me, I think you need someone better than, than Blake Bortles. And that's just what it comes down to. I agree with the, with the play calling point. I mean, I understand if you don't trust a guy, but, he still got to the championship, and he played really well in the divisional game against Pittsburgh, who was basically a lock for the championship anyway. And, and I mean, they put a free nine points on the Steelers, I believe, in Pittsburgh. And and I mean, you got to trust a guy, and even if you don't trust him, you got to give it a shot. I mean, against the Patriots, there they were not expected to win; they had nothing to lose. You might as well take a couple deep shots and just put the ball in his hands to win the game rather than hand it off to your workhorse rookie running back the first two plays every drive and get yourself a third and 11 and give the guy no chance to succeed. So um, I think they'll be right in the thick of things again. That defense is, is really just stout, especially in the secondary, uh, 
with guys like Jalen Ramsey really continuing to develop very well. Uh, and they added a guy like DJ Hayden as well. So I don't see them going anywhere. I think they'll have their uh, divisional round matchup in Pittsburgh again. It'll be a very good game once again. It won't be 49-42 again, but they'll be right in the thick of things. And this division in itself is very crowded and is a top two division in the entire NFL for me, just based on the fact that these three teams are almost interchangeable. Yeah, I see them coming out on top and competing in the AFC playoffs. Yeah, and we can just launch into Houston right now. They got uh, Tyron Matthew, who I always love, have a soft spot for. Honestly, my main question for the Texans is can they stay healthy, which sounds obvious considering what happened last year, but this team can, I believe, get to a whole other level if J.J. Watts around there and not necessarily his peak, because I don't think we'll see him at his peak again, but contributing for the duration of a full season. I don't expect any ill effects from Watson just because he's young. I think I don't see him as an injury-prone guy in the NFL, but J.J. Watt concerns me a lot. And for that reason, sort of, I do have them below. I have them sort of as a, as a wild-card team. But again, I really like the Texans. They were right there in this division when they were all healthy last year. So I wouldn't be like completely stunned if they won the division. It would be a surprise, I think, but I wouldn't be blown away. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, offensively, it's going to be the, the Sean Watson show. It is health. I can agree with you more. They are really on the brink of kind of getting the torch passed to them in this conference. Obviously, I think the Patriots still have three or four more years left. I believe the Texans could be the next team. You mentioned J.J. Watt, and you have former number one pick, Jadavian Clowney, too. Yeah. I mean, that line, fearsome. So if Bill O'Brien can really get it all together and not do his thing of switching up his quarterbacks, I think he's finally got his guy. Yep, so now we've got the Tennessee Titans, and I have them at the third team. I feel like that's a good spot for them, but this is another team that – you know, for me, they're either on the edge of the playoffs or sneaking in. They're one of those, you know, they, it's, it's where they've been. It's where they were last year. Do they win like that ninth game of the season? Do they win that eighth game of the season or not? They added a couple of interesting moves, just getting Malcolm Butler and Lewis from the Patriots. Uh, but recently, of course, DeMarco Murray retired, which was a surprising move, I guess, but I think this is where we're headed with, with running backs. They'll have short, even shorter careers and retire real quick just with all the science and the CTE knowledge that we're gaining. So my question first is, and this is going to sound like an obvious question, but how much of a boost do you see that occurs from the coaching change that they make and that they made and no Mike Mularkey? Because for me, he was the biggest factor in holding this team back last year. I like how the Titans are following the Texans blueprint kind of where they're, they're getting all their former Patriots guys, uh, Patriots front office guys, Patriots players, and trying to plug them in. Vrabel, obviously, a one-year defensive coordinator to a head coach in a new place. It'll be an experiment. It'll be interesting to see how that defense, which is very underrated last year, continues to grow uh, under his tutelage. Um, based on the fact that a, a six-seed in this conference could be an 8-8 eight and eight team, I think they could sneak in again. I actually wasn't quite sure when to bring this up, but I think this is probably the right time just with Malcolm Butler going to the Titans. Do you think there was anything going on in with the Super Bowl and the lead up to the Super Bowl last year that if you're a Titans fan you should be concerned about? Or do you think it was a mistake by Bill and he's fine? And what's your idea of the whole Malcolm situation? We'll never know the truth of that situation ever unless Bill Belichick writes a tell-all autobiography, and even whatever he says in that book would have to be taken with a grain of salt just because I think he realizes that for whatever reason he held Malcolm Butler out of that game, it cost them the game. And it's, it's just so complex, and, and people can speculate all day, but I don't think we'll ever really know why that happened. I wouldn't see that as a reason to be concerned for Tennessee. If anything, a guy that already had a chip on his shoulder will have an even bigger chip and, and feel like he needs to prove himself again. Um, so I'd be excited as a, as a Titans fan to have him on board. 
and same with Deion Lewis, uh, two two guys who are who are instrumental instrumental to the Patriots' success over the past couple of years. And yeah, I think at the end of the day, you're getting proven winners on this team, which is something I think that the Titans could use as a team. Again, I agree with you. I think they got screwed just by the division that they're in. It's going to be brutal for them. It's a brutal schedule looking at it when you look at the teams that they're going to have to play. Except for this next team, the Colts, and we can get into them now. The Colts are, are a mess in my estimation. Eric Ebron, Matt Slauson, they got lost Frank Gore, Moncrief to the Jaguars. But I continue to be perplexed by the Andrew Luck spot, and he's supposed to be back this year. He'll be with them for the season. Uh, missed all of last year, and really sort of strange reports coming out where he can throw a small football. He can throw with his motion. He can lift his arm above his head. Do you believe still in Andrew Luck? Or, and this might be one of those things where you say, like, yeah, we just don't know until he's back. But I guess – how I'll phrase this question is, going into this season, how many games do you think Andrew Luck plays? And just to put a number on it, what percentage of prime Andrew Luck are, are we looking at? I mean, I think he's capable of playing all the games. And I, I believe in Andrew Luck, and I want Andrew Luck to succeed. I just don't believe in the organization and how they're capable of, one, handling him and, two, preventing him from being in this situation again because – they, you mentioned Slauson they got, and they drafted Quentin Nelson in the draft. So they're making an effort to solidify that line that's let them get battered and last year to get Jacoby Brissett battered all year. I believe in him. I just don't believe in the organization, which is too bad because they're wasting one of the best quarterback prospects that the league had seen in years. Um, so obviously they say they're not going to trade him. and. And I doubt they will just because he's the only thing that put ass, that puts asses in the seats in Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, I just look at it, and when you look at the division, this brutal uh, schedule they have, and just by their own failures. Uh, again, I would be incredibly concerned about Andrew Luck if he's going up against the Jaguars in that tough defense. And the Houston Texans with Watt and Clowney, they would pancake him. Hopefully the line can be a more cohesive unit moving forward and not have the results that we've seen from past years. But they have some new pieces. I'm not betting on the Colts for any sort of success. That's for sure. But this next team that we've got in the AFC West, I am. It's a team that, again, it's another strong take by me. I love to take my swings in these predictions. I have them as the number two team in the conference, which is obviously an enormous jump from missing the playoffs last year. But for me, they're a team that was better than a few playoff teams, just got off to a slow start. That's the Los Angeles Chargers. I love this team. I love the talent across the board. Rivers, of course, is obviously the guy who's still there. He's been there the whole time. Really, for my entire sports-watching career, you've got Gordon, Keenan Allen, you've got Joey Bosa, you've got Ingram. Like This team, for me, just across the board, is one of the most talented in the the entire league. So again, I'm super high on them. What do you think about the Chargers? I think that they can compete for this division. I don't think they can compete for a playoff buy or the Super Bowl or anything like that. I mean, I think they're a playoff team. I'm a Philip Rivers supporter, just based off the fact that statistically uh, he's had an incredible career and just hasn't gotten noticed because he's out in San Diego and uh, Los Angeles and hasn't been on any good teams since, oh, I don't know, 2009. Um, yeah. And they had like Darren Sproles and, and prime Antonio Gates and Tomlinson and Sean Merriman, but I'm not nearly as high as you are. They certainly have a, a great defense and, and they have that line of Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram that's pretty fearsome. Uh, but I'll let you kind of run away with this and explain why the, the Chargers are an outside contender for the school. Okay, well, here's my take. Here's my idea. They started off last year 0-4. They went 9-3 and after that. So for me, all they have to do is keep doing what they did last year with Little Fanfare. And again, that's easier said than done because instead of looking at them as an 0-4 team, now people are saying, okay, they're a 9-7 team. we got to be wary of them. Top to bottom, the names I just said, it's the most – talent across the board and for me AFC isn't a strong conference so I think if you have stars 
you can really take this conference. And for me, if you look at, I like them throwing the ball. I like them running the ball. I like their lines um, up front on defensive end. They can get to the quarterback, obviously. We saw that last year. They can put pressure on the other team. And I think there's no sort of resting place with this team. They sort of have the feel to me of, and I'm not going to compare them just because they're completely different teams with different situations, but they're sort of Jaguars even, where they were putting some exciting things together the year before and no one noticed. That's my take. That's what I've got. That's my argument. I think they've just got to keep continuing what they built off of last year and they're right. Number two, interesting team, Kansas City Chiefs. They've made some big changes this year. Bring in Sammy Watkins is the big name. But for me, the subtractions are what really sits out. Marcus Peters is gone. He really had some interesting moments last year, especially against the Jets. I love that was a very fun game to watch. Poe's gone. Alex Smith is the one everyone's talking about. Obviously, big quarterback shift. Sammy Watkins is in. I guess what do you think about this team right now? For me, I just I'm gonna say right off the bat is Sammy Watkins for me is a classic guy who everyone believes in. Everyone gets suckered into the talent. And he continues to not live up to expectations. Uh, what do you think about the Chiefs? Sort of building off the same Watkins point, I think that Patrick Mahomes is the perfect quarterback for him because he's just kind of like a streaky guy, not like a real precise route runner, not going to run the drag routes, the slant routes, or a curl route, but he'll go deep and Pat Mahomes wants to throw it deep. So I think the Chiefs as a whole, this, this team could be anywhere from two to six. Um, in the AFC, I, I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think they'll go two to out of the playoffs, but anywhere in that two to six range, um, I believe that they can really challenge the Chargers for the division. I mean, I think the Chargers, if they win this division, will go 10 and six. And I think the Chiefs are certainly capable of going 10 and six if Pat Mahomes continues to show what he showed, you know, in preseason last year and even in week 17 last year. Everyone knows that Andy Reid is really a quarterback guru and he maximized everything you could possibly get out of Alex Smith and, I mean, Pavel Holmes, much more talent from a, just an arm standpoint than Alex Smith does. I have this team actually winning the, this division. I think mm. they'll be – whoever wins this division is, is probably going to be the four seed in the AFC. This team is really can, just complicated for me, just – only based on that quarterback move because I'm not big Alex Smith fan just based off of the high floor, low ceiling that he has. I mean, he's just low risk, low reward. Pat Mahomes can, can take them to a newer height, not a Super Bowl height, but maybe a AFC championship game height. Yeah, I mean, I, I see this team winning the division and I see Pat Mahomes really following the steps of other Andy Reid products who who just sort of exceed expectations and perform well i look at this team as a lower wild card team i'm not blown away by them uh and obviously i'm super high on the chargers so i gotta adjust accordingly with my chiefs prediction but i look at this as i like this move from quarterback because again if you're going to be a wild cardish playoff team alex smith will never take you to the next level he'll get you nine to ten wins worth a shot of Mahomes. I like him. He has a larger arm than Smith because in some ways it's hard not to. So that's a good way. And so I think it's a better pair with Watkins. I don't see them ever being like a two or a three or even a four. But again, super high on the Chargers. So I'm locking the Chiefs in for a five or a six. I still think they're a playoff team, which I won't say for this next team. And to me, honestly, this is one of the most interesting teams in the entire conference, even though I don't think they'll be particularly good. The Oakland Raiders, John Gruden, huge move, wild contract. We can talk about that. They added Martavis Bryant, Marcus Gilchrist, Jordy Nelson, Doug Martin. So a lot of names you loved in fantasy football in 2015 or whatever, like three years ago. Detractions, Michael Crabtree, Sebastian Janikowski, which I don't like. It's going to be weird to see him not with the Raiders. The most famous punter in the league, Marquette King, Marshall Newhouse. First off, large-scale changes with this team. John Gruden, what do you think of that move? The contract's a little scary, but 
I, I love John Gruden. I love what he did. I'm glad they brought him back. I think he's good. I think he's sort of the energy that they need because they had energy when Derek Carr was coming up and then he broke his leg and it kind of died down a little bit. So I think he's good to really rejuvenate uh, the team and Derek Carr and the Raiders franchise as they move to Las Vegas. I still think Joey Nelson has something left in the tank and I think Martavis Bryant is a really intriguing addition to replace Michael Crabtree on the outside on the outside and pair him with Amari Cooper. I mean, the future is bright, similar to other teams in this conference. It's not this year they should be worried about, but uh, the next couple of years when they'll be able to really pounce. So I did want to actually ask you about Amari Cooper because really curious your last year. So I just wanted to, so you mentioned that you think he can come back, have a huge bounce back year, 1,200 receiving yards. So what do you think happened to him last year and why do you think he can remedy that? Was it, a physical issue? Was it Carr not, you know, Carr obviously having his own issues and that connection, you know, not being present the way he's used to? Was it a mental issue? Everyone makes fun of Amari Cooper for his hands and his drops. So do you think that that got in his head a little bit? Is it something he has to work on? What do you think's up with? In my mind, it has to be just Derek Carr not totally getting back to form after his pretty brutal injury. The only thing, as we talked about a little bit earlier with A.J. Green, the tough thing for a receiver is they have to rely on the quarterback to get him the ball. And if the quarterback isn't at 100%, it's it's hard for the receiver to do anything about it. So I, I think that's the main that's the main thing you can attribute to Amari Cooper's just down season. With John Green, I think Derek Carr will get back up a little bit and with that bring Amari Cooper up with him as well. I think at the very least, Sean Gruden will change the energy around this team because last year, something was just very, very off. And it seemed like they were headed sort of for a slow slog here for a few years. And if there's anything we know about Sean Gruden, it's that he can bring the energy. Again, that contract is monstrous. And with another with a number of those cross-sport comparisons that I love so much, it, I am concerned about sort of a Phil Jackson-y aspect of it where... <laughs> where you bring back the guy who's been looked at as the franchise savior for a while now and, you know, old school guy and it goes horribly wrong. But again, that's the New York Knicks. So that's a whole other thing. But I like John Gruden. I think at the very least, he can bring a positive attitude that wasn't there last year. So our last team is the Denver Broncos. This is, is in a mess right now. So they got Chubb in the draft. Case Keenum. And I'll get into that a little bit. I'm not sure necessarily why Case Keenum is on this team. Marquette King, they lost. C.J. Anderson, he was a guy who I think if, if you played fantasy, you're, you always drafted it C.J. Anderson because you were expecting a huge year and you got burned. It happened to me like twice. <laughs> Osweiler's gone. Again, just had to say his name. Trevor Simeon, Akib Tlaib, others. Uh, so what do you think about the Broncos? I would really like for this team to just tank. Honestly, just go all the way, win two to three games. No need for Case Keem to be on this team. What's your spot with, with this team? Because obviously, like, there's still some star talent on this team. It's such a weird situation with this team, and it's so intriguing because you usually think of a win-now situation with a quarterback because that's the center of your team, but they've almost been in a win-now situation with their defense because their defense is so good that it literally can win a Super Bowl, but they can't find a quarterback – I think Case Keenum could theoretically on paper be the guy that doesn't screw it up enough. But as, as you've seen over the past couple of years, they've started to slowly but surely lose guys. I love, I love the pick of Bradley Chubb. That was a classic best available versus team need. They didn't reach for a quarterback. They took the best guy available, Bradley Chubb. At that point, the draft far and away the best guy. But I'm really shocked that they weren't the ones to end up with Kirk Cousins, and I would have been very scared of this team. At this point, they're stuck in purgatory, honestly. Really hard to believe because it's it's one of those rosters you look at, and they have some A-plus a talent on this team. You're like, no way this team can finish last. And then it just ends up that way. So it, it's frustrating, but... uh yeah, that's, that's just where they are right now. But I will say, if Case Keenum is whatever the hell Case Keenum was last year, this will be my hot take, my version of your Chargers hot take. Okay. This, this team 
can go 10 and six just based off of the defense, what's left of that defense with, they still have a guy like Chris Harris. They have a guy like Bradley Roby back there at safety and Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb coming off the edges with, uh, with Derek Wolf in the middle. Um, they have sort of the last pieces of that skeleton that won a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that they're, they're going to make a run at the AFC title or anything like that, but if Case Keenum throws up another magical season, they, they can definitely go 10-6 and six and win this division. I just don't see it happening. And unfortunately, the audio actually cut out again there, so we don't have the last couple of minutes of my conversation with Arthur. So we'll work on that. Hopefully, technologically speaking, we'll be fully operational for next week's episode. But just to recap, as I guess to end this episode, I picked the New England Patriots as the one, the Chargers at two, Jaguars at three, Steelers at four, Texans at five, Chiefs at six, while Arthur took a more chalk perspective. New England one, the Steelers two, Jaguars three, Chargers four, Houston five, and Chiefs six. So that will do it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed that, and thank you.